Hi, I'm Danny Belvin. And I'm Danica Brown. And we're biracial unicorns. And I don't need another friend. I already have two friends. I mean, how many more friends does a unicorn need? Like for real. <laughs> I mean, two is fine. I'm solid. I don't I don't think I can keep track of more than two friends to be to be the most realist. Yeah, I don't understand people with a million friends. Uh, I don't think they really have a million friends. I also don't like people, so <laughs> some people <laughs> but we do like some people i was trying to do like a seamless professional segue i really liked it i really liked it i thought you were going to be proud of me and i was really aiming for that <laughs> <laughs> today 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 is such an exciting episode it's will you be my friend part tres male female friendships and we could not even think about doing an episode about male and female friendships without having our best friends, which are two guys today. We have both of our best friends with us today. Yeah, that's a lot of guys all of a sudden. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of like, the, the, the hormonal balance is a little has shifted. And I don't know how <laughs> I feel about it. Well, shall we introduce them? Yes. Let's do it. All right. Oh, after you, Danny. I have my best friend, Josh Bean. Josh, say hi. Hi. He's here. We're here together, too, so this is a strange experience for me. Yeah. I'm used to doing this by myself in a closet. <laughs> in so a closet? I don't know where to look. <laughs> <laughs> you got a makeshift recording studio in my house now. <laughs> All right. And, and, see, and I have my oldest and dearest friend. This is Richard Padrell. Hola. Hola. What's up, everybody? <laughs> <laughs> I know this is so exciting. So now it's like three different locations. We're so excited today. Like I said, this is going to be a new experience. We've never had this many guests, this much testosterone. And so there's going to be lots of feelings, obviously. Um, mm. I guess, shall we just go ahead and jump in? Yeah. Are you guys ready? We're going to be doing a little interview. So we're going to go ahead and start off with something nice and easy. Break these guys in. Be gentle. Oh, oh you wish. Uh, <laughs> It's our favorite, least favorite question that as biracial unicorns, we always get asked. Uh, we'll start off with Josh. What are you? What am I? Oh, man. Have you ever been asked that? I have been asked that. But I will say, having listened to this podcast a lot, I don't think I get asked that in the same way. <laughs> <laughs> I get asked that on more a nationality basis. Mm -hmm. And my answer mm. is always, I'm a mutt. I'm a very white mutt, but I'm a mutt. <laughs> My family's from all over, mostly European. Mm, mm. Have you done any of that kind of like 23andMe, the little ancestry things? Have you ever done anything like that before? No, I don't believe in that crap. Uh, welcome to the brethren. <laughs> <laughs> um, the science is out on that one. <laughs> the government ain't getting my DNA. Yeah. Look, I they got enough. <laughs> Like, I think once they once they get a hundred percent buy-in on it, I think it'll be maybe a little more accurate, maybe. But mm. right now, everything I've read about it, it's like the science is pretty crap guesswork. Mm. My sister and my brother-in-law um, did it, and I find it incredibly hilarious that my brother-in-law got ninety-nine point nine percent white. <laughs> <laughs> Like, man, you're a very, very white person. Like, like that how was far effort. back did you have to go for that interracial? <laughs> you know what I mean? That was right. all the way to 0 0.01 of a person. That's Right? 
It's watered down. It's good for them. They would need it. Like that's effort. I can't even imagine what it's like to be that much of one thing. Mm. Like, so, like how? I would be really insecure. But I mean, but like I said, I said, um, I would be really insecure about that. It, there's no flavor profile in my background. But some people, I guess, take, they take a lot of pride, especially like I think like a lot of Jewish heritage. They're like, yeah, I'm like I'm a super Jew because I'm I'm like 98 or 90 percent, like 90 percent. So I don't know. It depends. I'd watch that show, Super Jew. Not met a Super Jew yet. <laughs> I'm not living life. <laughs> So, Richard, how about you? What are you? I am not a super Jew. Um, I am just <laughs> a mixture of black and blacker. My mom's side stems the East Coast, you know what I mean? Uh, some Egyptian, definitely some Northern African roots. And my dad's side of the family, Padrells, actually originate in New Zealand. Um, but I, we probably go as far back as your brother-in-law as far as canceling out that <laughs> ex- existence of that... Uh, Point whatever percent of New Zealanders, the Kiwis, been diluted with quite a bit of black. I don't get asked that question. It's 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 very apparent. I am a Crayola box person. <laughs> Too soon. No, no, just because the thing is, everybody wants the black crayon. It's true. So. That crayon gets used. It's up, It's always man. the nub. If you go into like. <laughs> The community box, that black clown is halfway used, the rapper's taken off, you know, we've been through some things. <laughs> <laughs> this was supposed to be like the easy part. Can you save the damage for later on? I felt like <laughs> we put some light comedy on it, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so do you guys have mostly women, female friends? Historically, throughout my life, I have mostly female friends. And I think tone of those relationships is just more my style. I've been told by one of my good friends that I'm pretty gay for a straight guy, which I <laughs> uh, really like. And I take that <laughs> with a lot of pride. <laughs> I'm just kind of like a little more, I guess, sensitive or whatever on, on that scale. And so I've always fit in with female friends more than male friends, generally speaking. Although it's funny, because I was thinking about this, that me and Danny's relationship is kind of a little more like a guy-guy relationship in the teasing each other and picking on each other and stuff, mm. which is not normally my jam, but that's what, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what Danny gives back to me all the time. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's kind of fitting because I've had mostly male friends, and so I'm uh, often seen as like one of the guys, so maybe it's just how go. I relate to, to people. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what about you, Richard? I mean, I think you confirm the fact that it's probably been a consistent thread through my life as well, Josh, <laughs> that I lean towards the companionship of women. I am the youngest son and the only boy with three older sisters. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Women uh, is definitely the go-to as far as <laughs> genetics and having babies in our family. So I've just been surrounded by it, and it's 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 comfortable for me. Plus, women are dope. Who, wouldn't want to be friends with women. <laughs> it's way better and experience. This is why the friendships last. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think men are lonely? I was reading an article about men's health, and they're just talking about, especially within this technology age, where men throughout history have normally like to form kind of face-to-face interacting connections. Do you find that there's just this a plague of loneliness amongst males? 
I don't think it's heavier on either side, if I may say. Mm. There was a, I can't even remember what it was. I think it's cut or something like that on, it's a, it's a page that I follow on Facebook, and they did a study about how the body reacts to face-to-face conversations, to skin-to-skin contact, and things of that nature. I think we're just built for some type of companionship, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, men are lonely, and so are women. So I don't, not like you're lonely too, but you know what I mean? I think it's just being... Uh, Sound a little defensive. <laughs> I think that's, it's, that's how we're built, you know what I mean? I think maybe men can be lonelier because you're not supposed to give off or project the I need somebody or I would prefer a companion type stuff, but eh, no more than anybody else. <laughs> Was that lame? No, that wasn't lame at all. And actually, I was reading an article that was written by a man talking about male-male friendships. And he was like lamenting the fact that he tells his best friend that he loves him, but he never says it back to him. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder, going back to what D'Amico was saying, like, do you think there's more loneliness in male-to-male friendships? What's the difference, I guess? I mean, Josh, you kind of touched on it, but then said I'm like a male-to-male friendship. So I don't know. A little bit. <laughs> Which we could definitely open that up at a later date in time. I do want to examine that. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I think that just in general, the guy-guy relationship is, at least in our culture, is, uh, a little more, you know, just teasing each other and one-upping each other and having fun with it. And, and the idea is like, don't take it seriously, bro. It's fine. But for the most part, I think it is until it gets to a certain level. But that's kind of the, the general. And so I feel like with that kind of posture and that kind of mask for the male-male relationship as being culturally accepted, I think that makes it so that it doesn't necessarily invite a deeper connection. And I think mm. with my male-female friendships, I've had a, a feeling of a deeper connection and a real relationships there. And I do with some of my guy friends, too. It's just, it's dependent, you know, I'm talking in general terms. I think most of my guy friends are not what I was just describing, and that's why they're my guy friends. But, uh, yeah, I, I kind of stray away from the general stereotype that I was just describing. So <laughs> I don't really have much experience with it other than to not engage in it, <laughs> except with Danny. <laughs> I mean, it's what you're drawn to, too, though. I don't, maybe it's not that big of a difference because the expectation of not that much compassion in a male relationship is already there. You know what I mean? You don't feel like, you're missing something that you weren't expecting type thing. And so I feel like the guy friends that I do have, I, A, I probably wouldn't say I love you back if it happened to me. Just <laughs> Whoever wrote the article, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't say it to a lot of people, so you just got to be on the list, period. But I don't know. I also wouldn't expect it from a man. I feel like the male-to-male relationship and the male-to-female relationship, we are introduced to those relationships in certain ways from a young age, you know what I'm saying? So the compassion of a mother and my older sisters, you know what I mean, already kind of having some type of maternal instinct towards me and being more passionate and being more considerate and and things of that nature. Um, You expect those things from a woman and you expect those things out of that relationship. So in that sense, had I had a male relationship with a woman, yeah, I'd feel some loneliness there. Like, "Mm -hmm, you're not filling up... (laughs) my expectations but with a guy i i just don't think that it's been established you know what i mean it's the whole 
cliche of my dad never told me he loved me type thing to <laughs> to make you a manly man type thing. But it's legitimate, a part of the, the male culture, especially in America type shit. So. But it is true, though, because I, I love living overseas and seeing the, the interaction with men, you know, especially like in European men, where there's just even just a physical closeness to uh. them. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I actually I, like they will embrace without question. They will tend to each other in sickness. They'll encourage each other in passionate ways. Yeah, I love being able to see that that kind of exposure, and it's never questioned whatsoever. That's what's yeah, up. Yeah, in Japan too. Oh, like really? My, my teenage students, the male students would like sit on each other's laps and like hold hands, and you know, just be generally physically affectionate with each other. That's a trip. Yeah. Yeah, I had the same experience visiting. Italy a few years back, just seeing all the closeness and and warm friendship. Talked to one Italian guy who was like, "What's with Americans' emails? They just sound so curt and like angry." <laughs> and he's talking about like in general, people sign off in America with just like, "Here's the information, bye." And in Italy, I guess they have to have "dearest" da 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 at the beginning, like a old time letter, and then like with warm regards at the end or something like that to like really mm. keep the warmth there in the digital realm, which Americans mostly don't do. Mm. And he just always thinks Americans are mad at him when he's, he's receiving. It. <laughs> and it's a strong possibility. He's right. <laughs> yeah. We're we're angry. <laughs> That's why we're emailing, so we can be angry. <laughs> yeah, because I don't want to see your face. That's such an amazing point. <laughs> I love that point. I feel like I'm just going to validate Josh's reluctancy for having a male friend after this interview. <laughs> <laughs> Richard and I will not be friends. Well, <laughs> I'm so glad. I thought I was going to gain a friend, but no. <laughs> Where did we lose that sense of warmth, though, even like within males? Because um, my husband was reading the book, the novel that the Hamilton Broadway show was based off of, the one that Lin-Manuel Miranda read. And he was just reading about some of the interactions the men would have, and they would have the letters. And I'm like, well, this is why they thought our forefathers were gay. Because it had the very same thing Josh was talking about. Just like, I ache to be with you, how I miss you. There are times, you know, I really miss your counsel. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, my gosh. You know, like we say, we like keep raising our eyebrows thinking that our forefathers were all doing it. And like, maybe they just were good friends like, maybe they just had a solid relationship yeah similarly if, if any i think if any of us but especially if any guy said that to another guy or even to another girl like friendship wise like i ache to be with you i miss you that is deemed weird in our society you know may i ask just on the flip coin you know what i mean how what is the difference in the dynamic of a male to female relationship is opposed to a female-female relationship in you and both of your opinions. Um, you know, I, mean, I know you want a perspective from us, but... Yeah, no, no, definitely ask us questions. It's a good question. I'm going to let Tamika really answer good. first. Ah, <laughs> dang, I was like, oh, hurry, hurry, before she gets it in. She's so quick. <laughs> Spoiled again for me, because like, I have actually had... I think I started off with a a good balance. And as I got older, I mean, I lived with guys, always worked in a very heavy male environment. And so that was always a bit of my comfort zone. Um, I think there's always been the difference for me has been just like an effort and not like a 
like a freedom, but there was definitely like, I feel like I could be a little bit more myself, which is a little bit more intense in conversation. I find that though people perceive men to be very one dimensional, I actually mm. have had the experience of men actually really want to have some deep ass conversations and they want to be challenged. And I find that even when I disagree, we can always come back and meet in a good place and my experience with female to female relationships have not always been that way. I felt it's always been like a lot of not efforts, the wrong word, but a lot of, a lot of tender care, which is, I don't mind, but <laughs> it's one, it's, I don't, I'm a loving person somewhere. Um, of just Whatever, really having- you're such a loving person. <laughs> don't act like it's Barry. <laughs> I feel like I care. Um, but th- there's just that level of responsibility of a lot of emotions. And so it's one of those things I can be quite intense about the things I'm very passionate about. And I have definitely been like, oh, I thought you were mad at me. I'm like, no, I'm just a passionate person. Um, or like, you know, I was I was upset by that. I'm like, oh, I thought we were having a good time of that just kind of always being misunderstood mm-hmm. a little bit. I think mm-hmm. that energy of I, I like dark humor and the things I'm interested in and language and how I carry myself. It tends to sometimes be a bit off-putting. But, you know, I think it's one of those things of you find females that just accept you for you. They dig your vibe and you start you stop apologizing for that. And I don't know. It's uh, it's been really it's an interesting ride. And I'm still on trying to figure out. I don't know. What do you think, Danny? Yeah. Well, something you said that I thought was really interesting, relationships with males, it's almost like there's that need for having that emotional closeness. And I wonder how much of that is a response to like this deficit of emotional closeness in male to male relationships that Mm. males, and I'm totally speaking for men, sorry, but maybe males seek that out. in women Mm -hmm. because like Mm -hmm. it's a possibility there where it's not between men so I thought that was really interesting so I just wanted to point that out but I think for me it's a lot of the same of what you're saying I think my friendships are like often based off of interests and I think I just have a lot more stereotypically male interests and the things that aren't male interests are like very individual activities that I'll just do by myself So I think like it's born out of that. And then I think, and we talked about this on the female to female relationship episode, but female friendships are complicated in a Mm, way that male, male, female relationships aren't Mm. for me. So, you know, like there's a a big sense culturally just of competition between females. So maybe it's like the, the flip side of what you were saying, Josh, of, you know, one upping each other and making fun of each other is like men, but like with females, it's, it's like that, but it's a little bit more underhanded Mm -hmm. almost. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's hard to know like where you stand with people Mm, and I think perhaps I was burned (laughs) too many times as a young young child it's all coming um, out yeah from girls who are just mean girls I feel like that's a um, I'm sorry from my perspective just a stereotypical middle school thing and I'm curious is that do you see that carrying on past middle school like in adulthood for female female relationships or is it just a defensive response from younger years mm, i think it does exist still like i've witnessed it as an adult um not necessarily with my own friendships because i think and you could confirm this josh i play like everything very close to me so it takes a lot to like get into like actually being a friend of mine um so i'm very selective (laughs) so i don't that has not happened to me so much as an adult i'm on the short list (laughs) (laughs) but um, (laughs) but i also 
think that comes with age as well. I think as we get yeah. older, we do naturally, hopefully with maturity, because I think I'm like, yeah, I've got friends, but I have very few confidants or people I would actually mm, confide in. Absolutely. In rest. And I, I even feel old using the word confidant. But, <laughs> like, but we was right there with you, though. Yeah, like, and that's the thing. It's just like, you know, good and bad. Like, they're, they're, they're with me, and I feel the older I get, the, m- the more, in quotation marks, I have loads of friends. I have very few confidants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I find as an adult, my friend pool is much deeper and way less wide, you know, mm. just, I have much deeper connections. But, you know, Facebook would tell you I have a lot of friends, but the ones I actually consider like, like you say, confidants, I would say is like actual friends are very much fewer. And <laughs> mm, so, so poetically, I love it. <laughs> also, Junior high and high school, we're in an arena where we don't have much options. You know what I mean? Like, we're grown up. (laughs) You get outside of that and you're like, yay, I've set some precedent based off of all of the people that I met in these past terrible few years of my life. I'm going to pick the friends that I want to pick and I'm going to be around the people that I want to be around. So you get to filter through that Mm -hmm. a lot more. And so, like, when you were asking Danny, do you recognize the cattiness more as an adult as opposed to in school? I would say... I'm speaking for women now, Danny. I would say no. <laughs> because We're all speaking for each other. Just do it. You don't have to sit yep. at the desk next to that person. You know what I'm saying? Or you don't have to, you're not obligated to be confined to these people or to interact with these people. Mm. You know what I mean? You're, you have more ownership of yourself and your surroundings as an adult. So no, because you're not putting yourself in those situations, but not no, because it doesn't exist no more. <laughs> totally. And and I think you're right. I like your analogy of arena. I've always thought of <laughs> high school and, and what that like, it's like living on an island, mm-hmm. like as somebody who's lived on an island twice, like it's that same sort of feeling. Ugh. You have this very limited pool. Yeah. So you just kind of have to work with what you're given. Yeah. Mm-hmm. School is definitely that way. And I guess that's also the difficulty in adulthood in making friends because like there's already a pool when you're in school that you can kind of choose from. And then like as an adult, you have to actually go out and find people, uh, which is in one way like liberating because you can really find like the best people. But it's like you have to go places and talk to people and do things which but don't you feel like way more accomplished making a friend as an adult <laughs> than you did as a kid it's like true. when you finally yes. find somebody that you're like-minded <laughs> with and you're like oh my god where has this been <laughs> you start showing off that person friend. <laughs> i'm gonna speak for Demika and richard all right because you guys okay. have known each other since middle school so it's yeah. like it's interesting Oof. to know there's people who you've connected with at that from that limited mm-hmm. pool that you're still compatible mm-hmm. with into adulthood. Like me and my husband started dating in high school, and yet here we are. What are your thoughts on that? Friendships forged at a younger age, difference between that and friendships at an older age. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Richard? Uh, I think... Because how old were we when we met? We were 11. <laughs> Why are we doing this to ourselves right now? <laughs> That's, we're all going to drink later. So just <laughs> later. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the ones that last are, are the relationships that you would try to forge as an adult. You know what I mean? When you realize that mm. it's the like-minded people who are walking a similar path to you. You know what I mean? Me and Tamika were in junior high together. Sixth grade choir experiences make relationships stronger. And getting through them is, is what strengthens the bond. And 
I am fortunate to have a friend like Mika and to be able to continue strengthening the bond throughout all these amount of years. We're not going to put a number on it. Uh, but I think that's yeah, what's helped. Yeah, let's helped. not do that. It's, um, it's just the relatability. I really feel like we connected on our, on our lives. <laughs> I think for for me, actually having the difference between getting outside of that arena is having friendships that are willing to mold with you mm-hmm. and change with you as you change. Because mm-hmm. the most between male 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 and female and male relationships, I think one of the most detrimental things we can do is not accept that that person is going to evolve and change. And I think, though, you know, we are still, you know, goofy, we love music, and we still have very similar backgrounds. Mm-hmm. We have both been through some crazy highs and crazy lows, very unique individual experiences. And, you know, and our, our paths have kind of, you know, crisscrossed, you know, in, in certain ways, we've lived really close to each other. Obviously, we live very far, and we've accepted and decided to roll with each mm-hmm. other in that. And I'm sure like, I don't know if I can even, I don't know if you've had this with your husband, Danny, of like, you guys met, you guys are hopefully different people than you are in high school. Yes. Like there's the essence of you and interests, but I mean, you've traveled the world and you know, you've got this amazing education. You form your opinions and desires of your own accord and having someone who actually says like, nah, cool. I, I accept you are changing. I want to change with you. And that's where I really appreciate my, my friendship with Richard. Because it's like, cool, I see what, what you're doing or, you know, I'm, you know, I support you in that or, hey, I might not understand that, but I'm still here for you and vice versa. He knows that there's really nothing he can do that I would not be there cheering him on and supporting him in that. And I think that that's how you get that longevity, I think. But yeah, no, I hear that. And I think me and my husband often talk about the fact that we we essentially grew up together. The two of us kind of influenced the type of person the other person became, right? Like he has a lot of influence of me in who he is. And I have a lot of influence of him in who I am. We also talk about how fortunate it is that we grew up to have similar values and goals and things Um, because I think it's also easy to grow up and realize that you have very different values and are too different to stay Mm. stay close in that way so so I definitely hear that but I guess since we've been talking a lot about school I wonder you know we're talking about it being arena and we we have like the section of questions of I think it's a very interesting correlation of like gender expectations and gender like segregation because it starts very very young and you see it very much in school where we still have like girls are expected to act this way and be this way. And, you know, even they separate us doing sexual mm-hmm, education, mm-hmm. you know, or sometimes even in sports that starts crazy young. How does that these two concepts of gender expectation and gender segregation, how does that shape or misshape our friendships? How are we able to make friends in this kind of environment? That's real. <laughs> I went to private school when I was little and like legit there were certain sections of the park that boys and girls weren't allowed to be in at the same time. So you're like five years old in kindergarten and you're running to the slide with a girl and you guys both go through the tunnel to get to the slide and then you get detention for the rest of the day because you were in the tunnel together and it's like, I don't know what that means. (laughs) I'm five. (laughs) I legit can't do anything about this tunnel or Sarah. (laughs) All I wanted to do was slide. You know what I mean? But that, it's like you said, it's conditioning us for something and then how does that yeah. shape our relationships or how we approach women or men at that point? Being brainwashed, so to speak. <laughs> I want to go to the tunnel with you, but <laughs> the Lord said no. I don't know. I really miss Josh's voice. What do you think? <laughs> well, I didn't go to private school. <laughs> I didn't get, 
I didn't get gender segregated like that that I remember. Um, I mean, at least like harshly like separate playgrounds. I mean, I think, yeah, eventually sports and activities did start becoming that. But yeah, I don't really have much to say on it because I don't I don't remember a time when it happened other than like arriving in high school and being like, oh, it's happened. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember it happening to me. Do you have thoughts, Danny? I always enjoy your, your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is, like you said, Richard, conditioning, and we might not even recognize or realize it's happening. I also went to public school, but I feel like there was pretty early on a natural divide between girls and boys in my classes. And I just also want to say we're talking about everything so male and female, Mm -hmm. showing like no envy love in between. There is like so so many non-binary people, so I just want to put That's that out up. there. Shout out to the nuns. I can't speak mm-hmm. for them because it's not. Yeah, me. but I th- I can't imagine like the stress and pressure of like navigating these sorts of relationships um, when you're existing outside of a binary system. And the conditioning is there's two options for you. Yeah. Yeah. If people want to write in and tell us their experience about that, because like I said, I think it would be an injustice for us to speak about something we are not experiencing. So if you want to write into us, we'll have that information at the end of the show. Yeah, I would definitely want to hear about those experiences. Yeah, the division happened earlier. And like, I was very aware of it as the girl who played sports during all my recesses, with all the boys, and ha- would have like younger children ask me if I was a boy or a girl because of that, even though I feel like I'm very feminine looking, even though I had short hair. So like, I, I think there is like that expectation and like segregation that happens early on. I don't know. My tendency to have female friendships started at an early age. So in like third grade and fifth grade, like all my memories are hanging out with girls and probably playing sports and playing on the slide and whatever. So maybe that's part of the reason I didn't like see or feel the segregation so much because my best friends have always been female. Not Mm -hmm. sure. I know. I I think I started feeling it like towards, you know, like fourth or fifth grade because like I said, I loved like climbing and tetherball. Tetherball was my joint. I was very short. I still enjoyed. I had a lot of tenacity. I really enjoyed it. Um, But I would always play with the boys and there would be, you know, a couple that we would always just go out there. And next thing I know, there's, you know, they'd be like, ooh, someone's got a girlfriend or, oh, look at D'Amica's boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Like from a young age, they're saying we couldn't be together. I wasn't a competitor. I wasn't a teammate. I was a love interest because that was my assignment. Their expectation of me wasn't someone that we can go and have a good time with, that we can go play tag. You know, I was good at, you know, climbing the jungle gym. Like, I was a female. My position in this world was a romantic interest, even as something as, you know, a person as young as nine and 10 years old. That was my expectation. That was my role. And I saw it ruin a lot of my early childhood friendships because the moment boys would get mocked for being with a girl, they, you know, they would drop me like a hot rock. And from mm-hmm. then, I'm just like, it just had this separation of, I can't be with you. I'm getting mocked. And that really imprints on somebody from a very, very young, young age, mm-hmm. you know. And from the male side of things, that's that mocking, teasing, one-upping male-male relationship that's happening from a young age that, you know, results in, like, boys start to be interested in girls romantically at different times, right? And so if you're one of the early ones... And everyone's just going to tease you, and then that becomes the culture. Regardless of if that was the actual intent or not, when boys start becoming aware that that's kind of what happens as we grow up, the teasing starts happening, and you just want to 
as a guy you want to fit back in. So that's that that arena stuff. Fit in with your team. Don't get left out there to die. (laughs) That's real. (laughs) I agree with you, Josh, though. That is a real thing. Even on the flip, like if you're a latecomer, you know what I'm saying? You're getting teased for that. Like, (laughs) damn, you got a man yet? What are you waiting for type thing? And you just, there's... Uh, a different type of pressure for men, especially through the puberty stage, and it's a little bit more aggressive <laughs> as far as mm-hmm. following the pack type thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I- I'm with you. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's part of living in a heteronormative society, right? Like, there's the expectation of boys and girls, men and women, like pairing up. The goal is romantic, sexual relationship we're taught that from a young age and so kids just kind of yeah fall into the role yeah it seems appropriate feel like it's very was always very confusing (laughs) for me Mm -hmm. and this idea of like you can't be friends with a guy because you know it's gonna turn into something else or i don't know it's a queer person i'm like well then who can i be friends with like if the possibility of a sexual relationship is with any person does that mean i can't interact with people unless i'm having sex with them like I don't know. Mm. I find it very confusing. Yeah. Well, I think that's the thing we don't even have within mainstream media really have examples. I can probably list and we could probably all do it at least four or five movies where it starts off these two unlikely friends and they both got and they're <laughs> chunky and they're adorable. You already know. You already know. And then as they grow up like, uh oh, somebody gets a boyfriend. All right. The other one starts getting jealous. Oh, I have feelings. And then the whole movie is like, will they, won't they? We have sitcoms that, like, they've lasted for 5, 10, 15, 20 seasons based on will they, won't they. Mm-hmm. On, on the tension really and the age. Of, wow, these are just two people. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what, we, that's what we thrive on instead of being like, wow, here's an amazing example of two people who their intimacy is friendship. And that's what sustains them because, you know, you know. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that a lot when I'm watching TV. <laughs> like yeah. my husband laughs at me because I get so angry. I'm like, please just <laughs> let them be friends. Please just let them be friends. <laughs> and like it never mm. happens. They're never just no. friends. That's real. Um, <laughs> they're not. <laughs> but it's confusing for us because I know I feel it too. Like, because then you start having feelings. You're just like, oh, oh, I must have a crush on. You know, you do. You start having feelings. You're like, mm. oh, I, 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 st- I have a crush on this person. Like, no, you just really care for them in a deep level. Do you know what I'm saying? And but because you don't know, you're never able to navigate that. You're just like, oh, I'm, I must obviously be in love with this person. And because we're never shown and have those examples, or even just said, hey, like friendship and love is very complex. Let's navigate all those veins. You know, we talked about it in the female to female relationship about when when a friendship kind of fizzles. It's like a breakup and you mourn. Yeah. And we never talk about that. And these are this is another vein of intimacy and friendship we never talk about. And that is like it's a very deep, deep connection, uh, a layer of kind of intimacy that that I think goes beyond the physical, but we don't see it that way. Like physical intimacy is not the epitome of closeness. And I'm, I'm really kind of over it. That being like the highest form of like the way that you show love to one another is getting it on. 
<laughs> mm. I think even just your use of the word relationship, we used it a lot in the previous episodes too. But I think as a society, you hear the word relationship and you think together. like romantic mm. sexual mm-hmm. relationship. Um, and you're not, you don't think about friendships as relationships as well. But I think you're absolutely right in all friendship any sort of relationship it's different dynamics and different like different levels of intimacy and and it's expressed in different ways and i don't think it has to be ultimately like a sexual relationship that's the closest relationship word with so many shows i wanted to reference to just based off of what you guys are saying but i'm like not trying to out myself on what i'm watching <laughs> yeah, like that one episode where you gotta play those cards close to your chest. Whoa. Don't share. My guy friends will never forgive me. <laughs> what all two of them? Exactly, all one. But it's true. All male female relationships tend to be romantic, unless it's like a mentorship relationship where the man is Say mentoring it. the woman. Mm-hmm. You already know. <laughs> <laughs> It's not even like um, a sibling-like where it's a kind of equal, hey, sometimes you're low and I'm high and vice versa. It's very much like, let me feed into you, wee lamb. (laughs) You are seeing that a a little bit more in today's society. I think we have like some really popular TV shows. We had both Danny and I read this really article that talked about um, like uh, 30 Rock and Parks and Rec, which are things that I really enjoy, but they do have, um, oh, what was it in Mad Men as well, where for once we actually see a male-female friendship where there actually is like a thin line of tension that's actually from the outside third party, Mm -hmm. but it is a very like mentor to mentee, you know, to the woman who's, you know, just trying to come up and maybe not always have the answer and who does at the last minute, but their strong male friend who's also falling apart and don't know what they're doing. So, I mean, media. Uh, I think the biggest thing that made me mad about that whole thing wasn't even the scenarios. It's just the fact that nobody has used another formula. Like, we're so stupid. Legitimately, there's a movie that just was released with <laughs> Megan Good and the black guy with green eyes and Dennis Quaid or whatever. And... That movie has been made a million times. You know what I'm saying? A million times. And it's the damsel in distress and her husband who doesn't believe her. It was like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're a paranoid woman, you know what I mean, type thing. And then somebody's actually trying to murder her. And she comes up, you know what I mean? And it's like, oh, my gosh, she was able to defend herself in the most extreme way. You know what I mean? And it's like, that movie's been done 12 million times. So much. It was stupid every time. It was stupid the first time. And it was stupid... With you, Megan, I'm sorry. But it's like with the same tension angst formula, why hasn't anybody even just attempted to change that? You know what I mean? Like why isn't anybody presenting anything out there? It's just this perpetuation in in all forms of art, to be honest with, where you just go with the norm. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't even make new movies anymore. Everything's just remakes, but we're just remaking the formula too. You know what I mean? So it's just- You you already know. (laughs) You already know. Yeah, no, you're right, Richard. You're absolutely right. And I think it's, as D'Amika and I have talked about several times, I feel like, it's like that Mm -hmm. question of the chicken or the egg, right? Like, is it because shit needs to change in society more so that it will be reflected in entertainment? Or should entertainment be changing? I don't know. 
but it, it is. It's like even though it isn't really the norm. Well, maybe it is the norm, but it isn't the yeah. only thing yeah. in society. It's what we see, what is fed to us. So then we see it as normal, and then anything outside of that seems weird or awkward or I don't know, different. We've talked about this, Damika. I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast, but this idea of like with male female friendships when they're close like being seen from the outside as a romantic relationship even when they're not people assume make assumptions about male female relationships from the outside so i just wondered if you guys wanted to comment on that yeah i I judge everybody too so i can't even (laughs) say that i'm not on the other side of the the, but you know it's i don't know Uh, that just comes with feeling whether or not it's a clarify the situation to people i i really honestly don't care about the stairs too much <laughs> <laughs> well it's like Tamika was saying earlier too right about like you're playing tetherball and all of a sudden it's all mm-hmm. being assumed mm-hmm. in the third grade but that's in third grade and now this is Tamika with the adult mentality yeah. and somebody's playing tetherball with her and she says and <laughs> yeah exactly i'm a grown-ass yeah. woman <laughs> I mean, not me, but I'm talking for Dominica. I feel like we're rarely talking for ourselves in, in this one. I, you know what? This is going to sound. This is going to sound so self-deprecating, and that's not what I mean. So, y- you ready? Good preface. Good preface. Yes, it's not self-deprecation. I find that because I am around a lot of people who are not of my race, like especially men, I think a lot of people as I've gotten older, never assume we're together because they don't see a white man being with a woman of color and mm. I'm short and I'm a full figured woman. <laughs> and like, I don't, I think a lot of people automatically are just like, Oh, that's the friend. Like people friend zone me. And so, <laughs> do, do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no one is like, oh yeah, it's like no women, no married women are wearing black friend. Yeah, I'm the black friend. <laughs> I'm being oh dead gosh, serious. Dude. I'm not. I'm totally not trying to be self-deprecating. But like, married women are like, oh yeah, you could totally get a drink with Tamika. You ain't doing nothing with her. Like that. That's not trying to be down on myself. But that's just. I I have sensed that. I have heard that. Like people are very shocked when they see my husband because I think. Or they don't—they don't feel a threat from me, and so I don't really get that accusatory kind of homewrecker. This must be romantic kind of thing. Little it's like do they know. It's a two-edged sword. The assumptions, you know, like they, they either they assume you're a homewrecker and you're like, hey, or they assume you're not and you're like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I could be a homewrecker. You didn't even give me a chance to, to stop try. assuming all the way around. <laughs> I, I was like really irritated for you, but I guess like why should I be irritated for you? Although, can I say, I feel like that's changing. Um, maybe all the white girls took all the black dudes and all the black dudes took all the white girls because no that dynamic is it's even starting to present itself in media. There's so many like everybody made the uproar and horrible comments about the Cheerios commercial with the brother and the white lady who had the little black kid mm-hmm. who was cute mm. as hell but there was the commercial for dang it i love them i think they're like geico commercials and it's talking about how once they bought their house they started acting like their parents or something like that you know what i mean type shit and mm. it's a very square white guy and his curly-haired eccentric black wife <laughs> but that's that kind of <laughs> 
scenario has played itself out on a few commercials that I've noticed a lot recently. And so I like that they're starting to, you know what I mean, integrate this concept of, hey, it, it really doesn't matter if you're black or white or whatever else, <laughs> go get yours. But <laughs> I see what you're saying too, Tamika. I'm just saying, let the TV work for a little bit. There's some change on the horizon. <laughs> uh, is a change coming? No, it's not. You know it isn't. <laughs> oh, was that too morbid? I mean, I believe in us. Go humanity. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I feel like, because I have a lot of white men friends and I tend to do better with people one-on-one than in groups. Um, so like I spend a lot of time out in public with a white man um, and people always assume that like it's almost always in some way um, mm. assumed that like I'm also very physically affectionate so I think that's probably part of it too mm. but I don't know that's my experience mm-hmm. Mr. B I agree I'm also a, a one-on-one <laughs> friend kind of person in general and also being a in general having female friends kind of person uh, not just like every time Danny and I are out I'm pretty sure the, the wait staff assumes we're married because we both have wedding rings that's also happened with other female friends because i'm generally one-on-one and if we're out together it's probably a romantic thing it's rarely is does it honestly bother you guys though it, it like if you're somewhere and you're eating and maybe the server comes up and be like do you guys want to share our romantic lava cake or something and you're like no we're not together you know what i mean like i mean we would share that romantic <laughs> lava cake we would, we would do it we would lean but like, into that yeah is it free is it free we're on our <laughs> yeah exactly so it's like if it's an opportunity where you can take advantage of it why not play the role yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly does it does it really strike a nerve with you if people assume that it doesn't bother me at all especially strangers like like the wait staff i don't i don't really care i just find it interesting that like that's the default assumption in our society we, we couldn't just be friends hanging out because you know there's a whole bunch of people who won't hang out one-on-one with the opposite gender so to those people, this must be a romantic relationship. Otherwise, it's very scandalous. Yeah, I mm. don't know if it bothers me generally, but there is particular instances that bother me. I don't know. I guess it's case by case. Like, it bothers me when it gets back to my husband. Like, he should be worried about me being out with a guy. Um, that bothers me. Yeah, when it's like drama-inducing assumptions, yeah. that's I agree. I mean, like it never bothers him. He thinks it's funny, but uh. it bothers me. <laughs> I'd probably find it pretty amusing. Well, that that's just what happens when we we haven't normalized platonic friendships. Do you know? It's just this is this is what we get. We we don't know, and so the world doesn't know how to react. And I think we're kind of seeing it manifest in different ways. Um, I know, you know, both Danny and I were reading things about the the Me Too movement. And because I think we have we have this uh, this lack of knowing how to act around each other. I think it's uh, I think it's kind of stirred a, a feeling of fear and discomfort mm. between men and women when they don't have these experiences. And I think we're seeing it manifest with women not being hired in high profile places. 
I know Danny did a lot of research about this, and I found it completely fascinating and heartbreaking. Mm. Yeah, like, I mean, we're talking about it like it's it's the norm for us. Like, yeah. we're all very comfortable doing like, these things. But the statistic that I read, and this was on the, like, heels of the whole Mike Pence thing, talking about how he won't eat a meal out with an, a woman who's not his wife and how he won't go to an event where there's drinking if his wife isn't with him, if it's going to be like a co-ed sort of thing. There was like a, a national survey that was done asking people if they thought it was okay to like go out individually with somebody of, of the opposite gender. And like 51% of respondents said that they would not do that, that they don't think it's okay. So like that, that was like staggering to me. Like I can't, I can't even fathom that attitude. And it was something like a little less than 50% of men, but then it was like almost two thirds of women said that it wasn't appropriate. So, yeah, like, I I mean, so like we exist in our bubble, you know, we're all the same age, we all grew up in the same place. So like, I think we also have a very similar, like upbringing and background in that way. I knew it was a substantial amount of people, but a slight majority. (laughs) Dang. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, this this is what's weird for me personally, is like, I will never defend Mr. Pence. But for me, especially for someone, he, he he is a white, straight male in a very high-profile position in his life. I'm like, you know what? At least he's taking some precaution for himself, not just for protection for himself, but also for for women. If he's actually not going to go into a place where there's going to be drinking, then, like, cool, maybe one less woman will be unwantingly hit on. If you're thinking you're that kind of person and you need that kind of protection, to me, everyone's just like, oh, what's so old-fashioned. I'm like, that, that works for him. And that's the way he's grown up. And I know he professes to be a Christian. And, and someone who is a Christian, I, this is something I, I have really struggled with and, and, and still battle with as one of my oldest and dearest friends being a male. I'm not mad at him, at Mike Pence. I'm so sad that this is, this is not the root of the evil. This is, this is the symptom of us not being able to normalize our relationships. That's the part I'm really super like blown away by that we have just ingrained these attitudes that we literally, we don't know how to just have a drink with each other and be civil and be respectful and and kind. Do you know that we know that we mix men and women in alcohol? Unfortunately, a lot of the times we get a horrific outcome. And that's the part I'm just like, that people don't feel safe around each other. That's the part that I'm just like, uh, uh, I'm, I'm heartbroken about. Yeah, and I, I think that a lack of feeling safe is also based in a myth, which is what makes me really angry um, that there's like a lot of false accusations flying around when that's not the case. <laughs> like mm. um, there's many more truthful accusations that aren't actually being made than there are the very, very rare false allegation. Very so, like, rare. I don't know. Like, I feel like in most cases, if you aren't doing anything wrong, like no one's going to come back and say that you are doing something wrong. But that's not not the thing that's being put out there. Well, I guess it's the question, like in this in this environment, in this this atmosphere right now with the the hashtag Me Too movement, are guys afraid of Mm. women or to be alone with women? I think some are right. I mean, I'm not, but <laughs> I'm not some of the people you hear about in the entertainment industry who are um, getting some light shed on them. So, uh, 
But yeah, I mean, that idea reminds me too of it's similar to teaching with uh, little kids and stuff. It's like mm. the same mm. uh, defensive posture of, you know, I'm not much of a teacher, but I've been in workshop situations with little kids and stuff, and my mom is a teacher. And I know in general terms, educators don't try very hard not to be one-on-one alone with a student because you never know what could be said about what happened or whatever. So there's just some similarity there and no comment on if it's right or wrong, but just I think after the Me Too movement, you see the, the same reflection in the, the Mike Pence stance on being alone with a woman. I think the danger in it has been... Like recently I read that in certain industries, less women are being hired because of this fear. So it's like the Me Too movement has had this weird consequence of men who are like, well, I'm just like not even going to hire women if if that's the case. Like then I don't have to worry about being alone with this person. I don't have to worry about her making accusations and all of that. So I think that's a huge issue that Mm -hmm. I don't even know how to address. (laughs) It's like a fear that um, that women aren't reasonable, right? It's like mm. if I could be perfect and I could still be accused, right? It's like a fear-based right. yeah. um, thing, um, which is kind of sad that that's a, a societal norm to assume the other is not also reasonable and well-intentioned and coming at this positively and trusting versus we both have to come at every new relationship with fear of, of that kind of stuff. But, uh, not that we have to, but that some people think we have to. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like the knee-jerk reaction was fear. I think that was supposed to be very, very empowering and um, maybe give a voice to those who, who've who had their voice taken away and now they're starting to get their jobs taken away. Like of having that effect yeah. of let's know, let's not start opening up communication. Let's start putting more money towards Uh, trying to learn how to relate to each other because I do believe that there is, you know, there's fear on both sides, um, no matter where it's stemming from, whether they have cause to actually legitimately be afraid of each other. Like, Hey, let's, let's start putting more money and resources and learning how we can work, especially in the workplace, work in an environment where it's built upon respect and, you know, um, a place where if people will be believed first and foremost, (laughs) <laughs> do you know what I mean? Equally be believed. And um, it, uh, they were talking about it in, in that same article. We were talking about that. No wonder people are really struggling with this idea in the workplaces because men and women working in the same place in these same high power jobs, especially is still relatively new. Do you know that that's the part that just kind of blows my mind. It's just, it's not all too recently. If women did were allowed jobs, they were secretaries, or, you know, very entry level, but now we're actually finally getting to the point where men and women are starting to work side by side and we don't know how to do it. <laughs> and that this is something I, I I don't have the answer for either. I mean, this is not a show for answers. I'm finding it ridiculous that in 2019, we still don't know how to act with the opposite sex in a work yeah. environment. Right. And it just in some ways seems like that gap is getting bigger mm. among certain segments of our population. It's funny to me that um, this is back to our bubbleness, but like I know academically what we're talking about is a problem and it re- is out there. But in my experience coming from a world of um, having jobs in theater and stuff, exclusively all my bosses have been women or gay men, mostly women. And so just 
just that like experience bias informing things like in my little bubble i'm like what (laughs) but like i do recognize that outside of my little bubble it's a it's a very different world but it's just it's always been an interesting dichotomy in the the world of theater for me in theater in albuquerque in particular but i think fear is what's making people react like you guys had mentioned earlier but it's also what's Mm -hmm. making them react inappropriately it's this combination of there there aren't models out there of how men and women should act in like a larger scheme. So there's this idea that something has to be invented. And that's also pushing up against these systemic issues of the entertainment industry and like big corporations. And that's where where like sexual harassment and um, demeaning of women was commonplace. Mm-hmm. So like that already exists. So it's like, I think it's a combination of both of those things um, that's that's Absolutely. put us in this, this weird position and I think that that makes it hard for somebody to come up with well what's you know the, the, yeah. the alternative because what, then all the other else? variables come into play you know what I mean like you talk about celebrities having privilege and things of that mm. nature it's like uh, <laughs> mm. I don't want to talk about too much you know what I mean but Ben Roethlisberger can rape somebody and continue the rest of his career in good standings but Michael Vick when's the last time you heard something good about him that wasn't a joke or that hasn't just you know what I mean really just <laughs> killed his character you know what I'm saying yeah, yeah. these case-by-case basis the way they're treating this and it's not across the board you know what I'm saying like if these, this is the consequence for everybody exactly. for privilege for white for black for male for female you know what I mean but we can't implement some type of law and yeah. treat the consequences differently for different people you know what I mean so I agree with you. The media and everything, that kind of just throws a wrench in doing something productive for society. Bro, like, it's so it's so ingrained, and I know this is tangenty, but I, like, recently learned that um, the first case in the U.S., well, it wasn't even the U.S. then, in the colonies, that was tried in a way that gave, like, a different sentence to white men as opposed to black men was in 1690 like this shit is so so ingrained like i was indentured servants both white and black who ran away the white servants got a sentence of two years on top of the the sentence they were already serving of indentured servitude the black man got a life sentence uh, essentially mm-hmm. becoming like the first slave of the colonies. So I mean it's like it's so ingrained. So <laughs> we're dealing with all these different dynamics, right? All these different power dynamics, not just male female, but also ones based in race as well. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what's really challenging cuz like I mentioned before, like as a Christian, we're taught how do you treat the opposite sex, like a brother or sister? And of course, everyone wants to come in once if you don't have a brother or sister. It's like, you know what I mean? <laughs> And I think what Josh was saying about in our bubble, do you know you. what I'm saying? Like, come on, get with it. Like, we're all, like. No, I'm going to keep playing dumb. I'm yeah, a child. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But people say this kind of garbage. And they say, well, that doesn't work as you get older. Once again, I don't accept that. And Josh is talking about in, you know, in our, you know, our little, our little bubble of understanding that we've created here. And what a lovely bubble it is that that's where my struggle is where even with like Mm. within the christian community of just like this is what we're commanded to do and this is how we're supposed to be raised to treat each other in this manner and still there's this level of um caution you know and so it's just one of those things well if we are treating each other in this way that we are being brought up where is this level of of caution because it's never going to become normal 
Um, there is being above reproach, which I really respect. And my husband and I, we honor each other in that way. And we have a lot of transparency and of being very, very open. And I feel like, well, if everyone's doing that, what's y'all's problem then? But it, it's not that mm. way. And it's kind of ruined it for a, a slew of people for generations from years to come. In, in that same article you were talking about, I loved this quote. I loved it enough to put on our outline. It was um, from, from The Guardian. It was, only once the sexes mixed on equal and familiar terms at school, at work, and in social spaces in between. Only once it was normal and even boring to see a member of the opposite sex at the next desk. And I'm going to interject or next to you in general. Could platonic friendships become an ordinary part of life? How are we ever going to get there? Do you know how in the world are we ever going to get there in this hot mess? That's real. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was my little, my little, my little, my little, my angry moment because you know we're trying to figure out how to reinvent the wheel, and I'm like, well, there are ways that we can do this, but because, like you said, because of privilege, race, background, in, ingrained um, societal issues, the different constructs we have to, we have built like this wall that we can just look at and say, how in the world are we ever going to get on the other side of that? We only have so much within our power to make change or to do anything, but I, I've talked to you about it before, Namika, you know, and I don't get the opportunity to talk with you that much, Danny, but I, mm-hmm. I appreciate you guys and this platform and putting it out there and creating the discussion and creating the conversation for everybody else, you know what I mean? Because it's whatever small pieces that we can put in that create change, you know what I mean? And the movement and the progress of this nation, of our world, is done through the people. It's not done through the higher-ups that are messing all our shit up, you know what I mean? It's it's the change that happens on the ground level. And so I don't know what we can do to get a mass amount of change in our lifetime, but I know that things like this do help. And mm. I say just keep going, and I'll ride on your coattail. yeah agreed the more the more it's normalized in media like we were talking about earlier the more podcasts like this exist i mean i fully enjoy just um besides being danny's best friend so i have to listen to it but i also (laughs) definitely enjoy listening to the show i enjoy being a fly on the wall as like a a white straight tall it's quite the grocery list plenty of privilege um and so it's just and so it's it's nice to just be a fly on the wall to these conversations and hear some semi-unfiltered thoughts. I know Danny edits <laughs> things, but um, <laughs> semi-unfiltered thoughts about stuff. And it's super weird being the fly on the wall and you guys turning to me and asking my opinion in this episode. <laughs> but still there was no cool. preparation I could do for this at all either. Mm-hmm. I just want to throw that out there. Like I'm trying to get ready, and then I was like, "What for what?" <laughs> <laughs> but but i think it's 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 also like a muscle right i feel like we're 15 episodes in with some mini episodes like a total of 20 times damika and i have sat down and done this and Mm -hmm. i think it's gotten easier to talk about Mm -hmm. these things the more that we've done it so that would be my advice to people as a whole like actually have these conversations with people and yes please listen to us but please also Mm -hmm. turn around and talk about these things because i feel like Mm -hmm. that's key in developing Mm -hmm. um your own thoughts and being able to share those thoughts with other people is is something that's really important and really needed and like certain topics are touchy especially for friends like i think there's certain things that we're scared to venture into for fear of hurting or offending somebody in any mean but Uh. i will say listening to the show with other people 
we can blame mm. I blame it on you guys all the time like my best and oldest friend everybody you're not ruffling the other person's feathers and you can have this open conversation this open honest conversation mm. without um you know what I mean stepping on anybody nerve or getting in the way because you guys are kind of the safety net for everybody you know what I mean you're creating the topic or you're bringing up the topics you're creating the conversations you're stirring it and so I would say listen to it and talk to people but I would say listen to it while you talk to people is probably the best time that way you can say what you want to say without getting slapped <laughs> <laughs> you will be your scapegoat word <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we could be like we're women of color. We're used to being the scapegoat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Been like, oh, this uh, familiar feeling of being blamed for everything. Sure. <laughs> At two brute. I, I talk. I talk to. Uh, I talk to Danny about things, and she slaps me all the time. So. <laughs> I worry about Ooh. it. <laughs> well, speaking no. of slapping your best friend, we cannot let you we cannot let you guys get away from biracial unicorns without opening up that little door we like to call race. Yeah. We, we have to. Yeah. You guys thought you're going to get yes. away, but not today. <laughs> I I would like it cuz like I said we haven't had people who weren't biracial on the show. So, especially for people who are so extremes on the other way, um, tell us your thoughts on how, tell us your thoughts on race and friendship. How has race kind of impacted your friendship? But we're going to be specific. Your, your friendship with us in particular, with your, with your own biracial unicorn. <laughs> yeah, we're going there. <laughs> Josh, you want to get this one? <laughs> Yeah, take your time. No, no, no. We, yeah. we can He's edit like out. staring off into space. I'm trying to think of like how race has impacted our, friend, <laughs> our friendship in specific. We got like nothing on that. <laughs> Danny, you're, you, you're you the other you half of our you friendship. You don't see color? Is that what you're telling me? Is, is no, it? no. I'm, I'm okay, just saying, like, yeah, because now I'm going to slap you. our friendship. I had a response for that one. <laughs> The black experience isn't anything that shunned in my household growing up. You know what I mean? Like it was, uh, my mom's the president of the African American mm-hmm. Museum and Cultural Center in New Mexico. My dad was a running president for the NAACP for some time. Before the age of internet, I think we all had dictionaries and encyclopedias where we had to look up and do our homework with. We had a volume of black encyclopedias. And so it's being. That's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. Yeah, no, they were cool. about it. Uh, I don't give them enough credit, but I give them some. But we were, um, that was the home aspect, you know what I'm saying? And then when you go to school, I know I mentioned that I went to private school. Me, my sister, and my cousins, and maybe one or two other, depending on where we were at in the school, were the only black kids from first through fifth grade, you know what I'm saying? And it was predominantly white. Um, And being in the arts, you know what I'm saying? Being in theater, things of that nature. Come on. (laughs) But... (laughs) <laughs> Tamika is to me she's the blend of my lifestyle you know what I mean it's the black experience at home and the white dynamic everywhere and else you know what I mean that I was involved in the things that I'm passionate about usually are predominantly white you know what I mean um, and I feel like we 
she related to me more, you know what I mean? We were had the same interests, you know what I mean? But we could talk things, talk about things on the black spectrum. We could talk about things on the white spectrum. She'd give me some insight on that because I could only go as far <laughs> as the crayon would allow me. But um, I really do feel like that's <laughs> kind of, mm-hmm. we were relatable in that sense, you know what I mean? Um, I think that's where the race comes into play. And I think... Uh, oof, Demika had said something about it in one of your first episodes that she's too black to be white, but she's not, what was it? Too black to be white or too white to be black or something like that. But she's, uh, she's not black enough because of the white, but she's black because of the black, you know what I mean? Like she won't be considered a white. Like nobody's going to go up to Demika and be no. like, Hey, or, or anybody in general, right. who's yeah, she's... you're never not gonna find a white person you know what i mean you're automatically what you what that white has been diluted with you know what i mean like yeah we're not gonna let you claim that all white right <laughs> right now because you got some of that whatever in you you know what i mean i feel like america does that a lot but um mm-hmm. to me Demika could always relate on the black experience which is nice especially being in the arts i feel like we have some pushback from our culture <laughs> and different things and it was just you talk about confidence and being able to confide and somebody who knows what's going on and I think as far as our friendship and race that's probably how it played into itself but I don't even think I mean I think we joke about race and stuff a lot but I don't think our friendship was contingent on the race you know what I mean? Josh it's your turn what that white do for you oh man I still got nothing um yeah I don't know so growing up in New Mexico there's there's plenty plenty of Hispanic people around here and I've always felt as the nerdy white kid in general going to um, some of the poorer schools in town too that were majority Hispanic that I was never cool enough to hit to fit in with the New Mexico Hispanic culture anyway but it wanted to be um, and my wife and I talk about this a lot we both kind of had a similar um, upbringing of that of having a lot of um, Hispanic people influence us as mentors and teachers and friends but never feeling like you could fit into that so it's it's kind of I guess different for us in New Mexico a little bit for being white because we get the the national and the global privilege and all that stuff that goes along with the whiteness but we get the like the reality check of of the melting pot of New Mexico which is makes our little bubble I think awesome so for me I don't know I never really think much about it but having Danny as my best friend who's Hispanic is incredibly normal to me and most of my like close close friends are not necessarily white or they are mixed or they're full Hispanic or uh, what have you. So I don't know. I think that that's kind of the cool part about where, where I grew up is, is having that just normalcy about lack of segregation on racial terms. And that's the where and the when of when I grew up. So yeah, I don't really think of like Danny as uh, biracial or Hispanic or white. I just think of Danny as Danny, my friend, who's got a browner skin tone like most of the people i know <laughs> like, what's up josh good answer good answer <laughs> did i navigate the minefield well <laughs> but i mean i also appreciate having danny and and having like i said before a small group of really close friends that we can have discussions about this kind of stuff and like i can talk to danny about anything and i feel like you know podcast listeners might judge me left and right but danny will judge me silently and also uh, <laughs> lovingly correct me if if needed. Or just Word. offer her opinion if it's not a right or wrong answer. It's just an opinion and a how you see the world 
point of view kind of answer, we can have those discussions without feeling like you're going to get in trouble, <laughs> which is good. Because, um, yeah, I think listening, like you were saying earlier, listening, <laughs> listening to this podcast is great because I wouldn't necessarily have the impetus to talk about some of these things, but I love to hear about them. But mm. some of these things, too, I can also talk to Danny and have talked to Danny with uh, uh, with her about these things. And it's just been awesome because I think she's also just really... Sound it out. Let me trying to go with this. Let me sound out the vowels. Um, let's see. So I think, like, we've had arguments over definitions of words before. And mm-hmm. most of the time, Danny wins. Because when I, I actually... Because <laughs> when I... Because I have, it's true, it's true, she always wins. Because um, when I go to look at the dictionary, I'm like, oh, I never thought of that word that way. I see what she means. And so I think just, just as important as having these conversations and listening to podcasts like this, it's important to accept new information and be able to change your mind mm-hmm. for everyone, regardless mm-hmm. of race, uh, background, and whatnot. Yeah, and I think it's easier if you're used to being around people who who challenge you in that way. I guess right. who are right, encourage you to, uh, who are always who are right. Always right. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't hurt. <laughs> no, but but I think you know it, it's like a muscle. Sometimes it's really hard to change your views. Absolutely. If, if you've never been challenged to change mm-hmm. your views before. Yeah, it's true. That's real. It's very true. Well, what about you guys? How do you feel like? I mean, I. We can't speak on your What do you think, Danny? (laughs) (laughs) Especially being interracial, you know what I mean? Because you guys have the flip side of the coin where you're getting two different versions of of a cultural experience, you know what I mean? And I don't have too much insight on that. I know Josh does, but... I I mean, I think... So shady. Wow. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's not even friends, a race. Richard. We're not going to be friends. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's, and perhaps this is relatable for all people, oh. like the person who you are in, in different situations is like, it's still you, but it's a slightly different version of you, right? The person you are at work is a little bit different than the person who you are in your personal life mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And so... I don't know if you find this, D'Amika, but I feel like the person I am is is different based off of the people who I am with. But I mean, they're still me. It's still versions of me. So I don't know, like, you know, with like Latino friends, like, I de- like we have that sort of shorthand of experience of that kind of upbringing. So I think the way that I behave might be a little bit different. The things I say are a little different, but it's not like a conscious thing in my life it's just like kind of naturally happens the natural like code switching based on the situation you're yeah in. Mm-hmm. yeah but i mean like i'm married to a white guy and my best friend's a white guy so i spend a lot of time around white people uh, my my work situation is a lot of white people she, she's fluent um, <laughs> in whiteness um, <laughs> shut up oh my god <laughs> But but I, I'm also definitely, like, not afraid to be that person who's, like, always pushing back on it a little bit, too. Super know? not afraid. <laughs> yeah, I do it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, not the surprised. white people she surrounds herself with are, are not afraid to hear it either. So <laughs> that's true. She self-selects that way. Oh, that's true. <laughs> right? That sounds like progress. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Mika? What do you think? Yee. Well, I I do I do agree with the, the code switching. 
it's something I don't even think I recognized in myself until I was a bit older because I would have definitely been like oh I'm gonna do me I'm gonna be me everyone gets me at the same level I'm always gonna be and it's like that's really not the case even if it's just a subtlety of things that you like I said conversations I may bring up I'm like wow I would never bring that up with a certain race or things of that nature but my my friendship with Richard I'm like he for the most part gets the most the most me Outside of like, you know, it's my husband who gets poor him, gets unadulterated, <laughs> yeah. unchanged, unhinged. Poor husband. Full fledged. <laughs> poor, poor husband. He gets all my rage, all my ranting, all, you know, lots of, lots of, lots of cursing involved. Lots of, you know what I mean? He's just, and he, he takes it so well and he's poor that white boy did not he didn't know what he was signed See, it's up not for just me. Or maybe it's not just did. me <laughs> yeah he did not or he did and that's his hey, fault <laughs> but, nobody jumped ship yeah yet. it's that's his fault a good sign, right right oh, he husbands. likes the pain <laughs> when are they coming on the podcast it is interesting being biracial in both of those communities in friendships and I think where you can say where you you struggle I think especially now where I am quite when you're trying so hard to get a movement going Mm. when you're trying so hard to create those spaces for people who are mixed and trying to um, engage in understanding I have found like with people who who are white they might want to have the conversation but you feel that layer of discomfort Mm -hmm. And then I feel like within the black community, I think because I am mixed, there's almost like I kind of they don't want to hear my oh poor mixed girl story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, we were we were going and to it, town about that just like yesterday. Uh, girl, <laughs> I'm serious. We need to. We are going to save that. Okay, we yeah, have to we'll save that. that. That's a whole. <laughs> we got yeah. Mm, I'm still fuming from that. Oh, I am also very angry. But continue. Uh. Love it. Love it. Love you. Love this. Love <laughs> it's, um... There's two girls saying we loved each other. And it like it was not even a thing. <laughs> it wasn't a see normalization. <laughs> we are not going to make out later. It's just normal. We just care for each other. <laughs> but I, I, I think that that was the one thing I like with Richard. I think growing up, I think I was actually, if I can be honest, really, really intimidated by the intensity of his blackness. Mm. Because of the things that he had spoken before, like I'd go to his house and I saw the encyclopedias, they're real. And his family was very like, they were, and so, no, you, yes, because that was an experience. But on the one hand, I was so grateful because of that, because like I said, the interest I had were predominantly white people. My dad, who was in the military, was gone a lot. And so was my, my sweet white mama, who had to do the most of our child rearing. And so with him, I had not only had this amazing friendship, but an opening up to a world and understanding and able to have those conversations. Um, but it was also for me just also very, very intimidating of wondering, like, am I ever going to be black enough? But luckily, been able to have that friendship and growing up in you know, becoming more confident in who I am. It's hopefully like breaking into more friendships with other people of different races, being more confident in in who you are, because I think it is important. I love that I have met people of different races and being able to learn and be quite humble because of we talked about before of your ignorance being exposed. You know, I love that I can start making friends and getting to know people where they can expose my ignorance. And I know my friendship with Richard exposed some of my ignorance and I am um, and continues in the most positive way, you know, of taking that stigma out of not of lapses in your own knowledge. And yeah, race should play an important part of your friendship. It shouldn't be the pinnacle. It should be what makes them 
challenging mm. and alluring and insightful and Go exciting. On. Say it's not it. their definition. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it doesn't define them, who they are. But even just talking with Danny, like I got to ask, like, what do you prefer to be called? And, you know, as far as like, do you, Latina or do you want to be Chicana? Like, I, I love that. I love being challenged in that because her race, it does matter. And, and how we interact with each other. Because there's a backstory that I have no clue about. And when you mm. don't have a clue about someone's backstory, it's going to affect your presence, your present tense friendship with them. And so I think with Richard, like I said, we have the advantage of going through, mm. I mean, our whole lives together. Like if you can be a friend past puberty, like that's Word. solid. But I think <laughs> uh, like that's, that's solid. If you can get past that, you can get past anything. But I, I love that we've been able to have some, some hard conversations and those haven't stopped even though, you know, I am half black, there are so certain things about each other's experiences that we have to come to that, that point that we, I don't understand his experience as a black man. I don't, I know what he can tell me mm. and I can try to understand the surface level. And just like him as me as, as mm-hmm. a mixed woman, there are only certain things that he can, and he has mixed women mm-hmm. in his family, but even he, he can't. Not one of- yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but and I, and I think like that's where it kind of matters in it. You can never truly mm-hmm. understand an experience that's not yours. But the best you can do is is you know mm-hmm. have those conversations and surround yourself with as many people who are different from you as possible to get as wide world view Absolutely. as you Definitely. can. Almost mm-hmm. beautiful, Mika. Mika, you're plenty black, mm. more than black enough. A little too black. <laughs> Am I? <laughs> I have never been accused of such a thing and I have so many emotions about that right now. <laughs> That'll be the first and the last time I will ever be accused of such a thing. <laughs> and it's out in the world now. Uh, it's like yeah. fact. <laughs> it's been documented. <laughs> I don't I don't know, Danny. Should we have any final thoughts on this? Yeah, that's what I was. I was gonna. Place? I was gonna open up to see if you guys have anything final to say about this or about male female friendships or Mr. Bean. Um, not particularly. No, you, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say thank you for having us on. This is a lot of fun. It's definitely different than listening. I prefer the speakers. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed being on the show. So thank you guys a lot and. Uh, hopefully this. Uh, hopefully there's some platonic relationships out there that are listening and are like, yeah, we can do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, we're not the only ones. <laughs> well, shall we move on to our happy place? Do it. Danny, what is your happy place? Okay, here's my happy place. Say it, girl. So my happy place at the moment is I've been watching Roswell, New Mexico on Netflix which is like a remake of the original Roswell show, which is based off of a a series of books. So I really liked the original show. Okay, I have to say, it's it's trashy teen drama, which is my favorite kind of TV show. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, and I, I liked the original show okay. I only watched it initially because my friend's brother, a friend who I went to high school with, his brother was in the show. Um, is one of the supporting characters. And so, like, that's why I started watching it. Uh, and it's about aliens, so I like aliens. But it was, it was like, okay. It was fine. The remake is, like, much better. Right, says nobody ever. 
Yeah, but there's lots of Chicanos in the in the remake, and it feels like much more New Mexican. Mm. And they even say Roswell instead of mm. Roswell, which I think is an important thing um, in a show based in New Mexico. So I've been really, really into it lately. Um, I'm not done. I'm not done with the whole the whole season. Oh, and the pilot was filmed in Albuquerque, so that was super fun to be like, oh, that's Albuquerque. Oh, look, they're having a high school reunion at the rail yards. That's cool. Um, <laughs> but but I think it's being filmed in in like Las Vegas, New Mexico now. So it it actually feels like a small town, unlike the first episode, which I'm like, that's Albuquerque. Oh, yeah. That's not a small town. <laughs> Uh, so that, so that's my happy place. <laughs> Mika, what's your happy place? I actually, for, you know, I love when I have a list because that always <laughs> makes me feel like, oh, look at me being happy and such. It's a tie because, you know, it's my world. It's a tie between, so my daughter's been getting into Pokemon. Yes. Um, <laughs> this is all beyond I mean, me. And th- so the thing is, like, my nerdom, yeah. <laughs> I thought this might make you happy. It's actually, it's all about you. It's a happy place for me. If you have any questions, Danny's got you. Yeah, I thought, (laughs) yeah, I feel like I do need wisdom on this because I have lanes of nerdiness and this is not one of my lanes. And I feel very insecure about it. Like I got her a Pokemon starter set because she's reading and, and she's flipping genius and i got it for easter and it's like she doesn't have enough to start a game because you need like a kajillion and so i'm mm. sitting here asking people at a toy store i'm like i don't know how many what do you mean you have to catch them all like, I'm <laughs> just like i'm watching the cartoon with her i'm like some of this stuff is problematic and i'm just like i'm like what do you mean the girl can't be a good you know pokemon catcher master like i'm just yeah i'm like what do you mean he cares about them but he also traps them like i'm really constantly conflicted that's real so yeah so that that my daughter but the thing is she's getting really and she's like mem she went from not knowing any of them to reciting half the names within a week and this is of her own accord like i don't think there's really any of her little friends who are into it which makes it really awkward when she's all she's like she's like oh and my husband's got a little game on the phone she goes oh yeah we caught a charmander yesterday blah blah, blah. And her friends are like just staring <laughs> they're like uh as they pick their nose and she's <laughs> she's just like really into it so there's my daughter getting into Pokemon, which is it's just adorable because it's her own nerddom. She's mm. owning her nerddom. This is going to sound like a fat kid. Uh, coconut chips. Dude, have you had a yes. coconut chip? Awful. Yes, they're so good. They're del- No, they're delicious. I'm with Richard. No, this no. <laughs> so the thing is, I don't like coconut. Me neither. So that's the thing. Like, I don't like coconut. These are amazing. So coconut was ruined for me at a young age and slowly but surely because it's just, it's just a healthier sweetener, yada, yada, yada. I've had a couple of things and I have tolerated coconut. Tolerated. I still use coconut sugars. But this, I don't even know. It's so good. Oh, but when we came over? Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> I've been giving them simply <laughs> truths all mean, the time. Like, like, I need this coconut sugar, though. <laughs> 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 you're welcome um, but that's you. the thing so it's, it's just like bougie. little by little yeah it, it is bougie it's hella bougie I mean I know this I'm aware um, but I, they're so good I don't even know what I, mean. I think I needed them for a recipe from somebody else and I had one and I'll be like I'll be damned this is scrumptious I was they're good but be careful they're easy to get Who burned makes out on for sure not that we're trying to give out any endorsements um, there's this one company that's called oh dang that uh, makes them I really fuck like, with the name like yeah the no that's all that's a real good name <laughs> <laughs> no, you should so get do them that. as a sponsor just so we can hear them more yeah <laughs> oh, oh yes dang. oh josh i love the way your brain works 
<laughs> but no, seriously. And you're probably right, Danny. I've already had to like ration them. I'm like, all right, Danica, this is all you need, boo. <laughs> Don't ruin a good thing. So they're delicious. Yeah, they come delicious. in those small bags for a reason. <laughs> mm, that means nothing to me. that means more bags (laughs) right 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 but all right gentlemen happy place i'm glad you went first because now i know i can have a tie (laughs) (laughs) all right so my first one is that i started last year playing softball for fun once a week and I'm not a very outdoorsy, exercisey person, but I do love me some baseball. So mm. getting uh, getting to run around and hit a ball with a stick is a lot of fun for me. Um, and so we just had a softball tournament that was mostly yesterday, and we had to play like three games in a row. So I'm very sore, and um, I'm also very happy to have done it. It was a lot of fun. My second one is a very recent one, but... Uh, Danny and I started watching Star Trek oh, Discovery. It's so good. And we're, what, three episodes yes. in? What, is, what are you watching? Blast. Star Trek, Star Trek Discovery. <gasps> so the The new good. one? The new yeah. TV show? Yeah. yeah. So we Get just on started. This. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, no you, do it for the sister. Do it for the sister because she is on it. Okay, okay. I That's know in the main I character. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know I knew what I, I had to say to get you to do what I, I, and that's all you she be a strong like strong female leads of any color. So, Look. Yeah, dot so that's it. That's that's a fun, enjoyable new show, and I can't wait to watch more. I know. We have to watch more. <laughs> oh, We're behind. I, I know. I'm a couple <laughs> but episodes also, I behind. I love binging my shows. So, yeah. Yeah, I love binging my shows, so I like being behind. behind. <laughs> yeah. Like, like we're three episodes in, but, like, full disclosure, watch those three episodes back to back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Mr. Padre. Uh I'll make it quick. Uh, I think I mentioned to you guys earlier that I am not in New Mexico at the moment. Um, I'm in Colorado with my niece and my sister, so my happy place would be this trip that we're taking. We get to hit up some good food spots, Qdoba, which is a better version of Chipotle, uh, less ratchet. Mm. And we're going to see (laughs) (laughs) Trevor Noah tonight do stand-up and an artist named Casey. What? Lucky. And an artist named FKJ, he's a jazz musician. We're going to go see him perform on Tuesday. So mm. just this whole weekend in general is definitely a good happy place for me. I needed this trip so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a Do long. So, yeah. <laughs> so oh, when that are you going to Trevor amazing. Noah on the podcast? I mean, he, he's welcome anytime. Cool. He can just, yeah, go, go it's ahead. It's on you, Trev. <laughs> <laughs> the, the unicorns are waiting for you. Not Trev, though. She said it's on you, Trev. Like, you go back. You go way back. <laughs> it felt more like a challenge of just being like, more, more, more mixed information and funny. at the end of the podcast. <laughs> We'll be waiting for Trevor Noah's reply. <laughs> yes. So if anyone wants to go at him for, for this at that, if you can just at Trevor Noah, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Please. You're welcome. <laughs> yep. I'll bap yes. at him. Do it. <laughs> See if I can't just throw something on the stage with your name on it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> there you go. Dang it. We have oh my gosh, we should have given you a sticker right. before you went. On a rock. <laughs> What? <laughs> you when you wake up, read it. <laughs> You'll be thrown out by Can security, you... but then he'll be like, oh, biracial unicorn. <laughs> Was arrested. <laughs> <laughs> can you can you not throw a rock at someone from South Africa? <laughs> it's, it's <through> enough. <laughs> Shut up. Just throw the rock near him. <laughs> that way you can oh pick it up goodness. and read it. That sounds absolutely We're amazing. All a little too down for this idea. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Should we thank Mr. Josh and Mr. Richard so much for taking their time? A lovely, lovely long time oh. <laughs> to be on our podcast today. That's how you know we all get along too well. Yeah, thank you guys. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you, yeah, for real. Hope you yeah. didn't feel too put on the spot, but I also don't care if you no. did. So I actually really hoped you did. Well, I guess if you have any questions you even want to ask uh, our, our guys, we may or may not pass them along. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> we can pass kidding. them along. Yeah, if you have questions for us, um, we would love to hear your topics, especially if you think we have something else, uh, another part for Will You Be My Friend. Please listen to part one and two, and this is kind of the trifecta of that. You can email your questions at biracialunicorns at gmail.com. I know Danny and I are actually pretty active on our Instagram page at biracialunicorns. And we are, <laughs> we're a little, little shy on Twitter at Biracial Magic. <laughs> we're getting there. Just, just hang on. We have a presence-ish on Facebook. We're Biracial Unicorns yeah. there as well. So Instagram. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I mean, Instagram is <laughs> a better way to contact us. Yeah. But they're available on all major platforms. Don't down, so let y'all out there. <laughs> there. Look We're at there. they're doing our job for us. Can they just finish us up for us? Yeah, you guys want to finish our outro for us? We'll just We're, We're going to go get some whiskey or tequila. Uh, well, that was the alternative then. <laughs> I, I'm going to join that the outro. See, you just start on those tangents. I know. Just, like, uh, exactly. We're wrapping to, up. We're not we're wrapping, wrapping it up. We're just trying to wrap it up. Hey, we're wrapping I'll email this up. Biracial unicorns in whatever form you can get to them. <laughs> Let them know what you think. Send them some questions so they can have more to talk about and listen to the next episode. Make sure you subscribe to them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, wait, wait, we have to thank our artists. Yes, the amazing <laughs> Deli Pop art. She did an amazing art. And actually, a little, a little, little nitpick. You all might have not. Richard, I'm just going to say it, and I'm not going to apologize for it. Actually, Richard, Richard is Joseph Scott of Citizens of Tape City. So the gentleman who actually did our amazing music is actually the one you've been hearing for for the last... Mm. Five They're hours. all a part of my birth name too. I didn't make any of them. <laughs> no, these are all. This is this whole name. You have an amazing I, name. We appease the Richard because me and me could go back like chiropract. So any of you listening, mm-hmm. you see me in the streets, you don't know me, unless it's Joseph. <laughs> yeah, Damika and I had a whole thing like. of like. I was very concerned about what we were supposed to call you. And I'm like, are we calling him Richard? Are we calling him Joseph? Like, am I going to slip and call him Richard if we're calling him Joseph? Like, you were. <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't the only one because I met him as Joseph. <laughs> I was, oh, the whole artists. time I've been like, Richard. Okay. <laughs> Stop it out. <laughs>
<laughs> Sounding out those vows. Definitely. You've been struggling. Yes. <laughs> I appreciate your white man struggle, Josh. <laughs> More than you appreciating. Know. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> Take it out of context so quickly. <laughs> this is episode's never gonna end, and I'm not mad. At it. But thank you, thank you, thank you, thank Richard, you all. for your music. Thank you all. Thank you so much. Oh, you have a second album coming out. Go to all your major platforms of Citizens of Tape City mm-hmm. and go look for all that new information. Um, yeah, do that. Do all of that. All the things, and we'll be back next week with a mini-sode and Mm -hmm. in two weeks with another full episode. Yes. So, peace. Out. Hi, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) Richard, it was over. (laughs) It's over at the out. Haven't you heard the podcast? (laughs) Okay, we can stop the recording. (laughs) 